0: I want to start with this, this little piece from the Bible. Uh, at the start of the Old Testament book of Joshua, God is giving instructions to this man named Joshua. right? Have we heard of Joshua? Yeah. All right, so we're on the same page there. Joshua is going to be the one who leads the people after the death of Moses, and God is telling Mo- or excuse me, Joshua, what's up? He's saying, like, "Here's the instructions that I have for you." And in the middle of it, he drops this line in that's up on the screen. He says, this book of the law, which was the law of Moses, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now, I don't know about you. That sounds really hard to me. Meditate on the law of the Lord day and night so that you may do all that's in it. Does that sound tough to anybody? I don't know about you, but in my life, like there are days where I really want to be in God's word, but I can't get more than five minutes at a time reading my Bible. Yes? Yeah, I assume we're on the same page about that because we're in this session together. But, like, we know there's Instagram and Snapchat that needs to be checked, yeah? And there's emails to send. And there's new episodes of Stranger Things to binge watch. And then binge again and again and again. And some of you laughed at that. So here's my, like, side lesson for today that actually has nothing to do with reading the Bible. But, like, no matter where you come from or what you think of your hometown, like, you do not live in Hawkins, and if you've seen Stranger Things, you understand what I mean. But you are blessed. You do not live in Hawkins. But seriously, like back to the topic at hand, does anyone else ever feel like that? That no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work at it, I cannot seem to engage and stay in God's word. You don't have to like raise hands or anything, but like I see some heads nodding. I see some people who are agreeing with that. And I want you to know, if that's how you feel, that you're not alone in feeling like that. Check this out. The Barna Group is an organization that does a lot of research, and they try and help us understand what's happening in our culture and happening in the world around us. They did a study a couple years ago with adults in the United States about their Bible reading habits, and here's what they found. First off, they said only 14% of the adult population in the United States reads their Bible every day. 14% of all adults. That's it, that's not a big number. I'm really bad at math, by the way. I have a couple of my former students from Concordia St. Paul who can tell you, I am bad at math, but I know 14% is not a large part of the American population. Yes? Thank you, I love the verbal yes too, like that really helps me know that we're tracking together. So 14% of the American population reads their Bible every day. 48% of adults read the Bible multiple times per year. But in this survey from the Barna Group, they said multiple times per year is like three or four. So like three or four times, half of the adult population in the United States is pulling out their Bible and reading. Tracking with me? Yes. There we go, that verbal yes. And then last, there's a curiosity that people have about the Bible though. Even though they're not pulling out the Bible and reading it regularly, they're curious about what it has to say. Two-thirds of Americans said, I want to know more about what God's Word says. I want to understand it better. So for those of us who struggle to read and understand God's word, we're actually in the majority. You are not alone in that struggle if you're having a hard time understanding and reading the Bible. Make sense? But here's the deal, is it doesn't have to stay that way. Doesn't have to stay that way. So I get like 30 minutes or so to talk to you today about how to read and understand the Bible. That's hard. Do you understand how big that topic is, how to read and understand the Bible? But here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you some basics and some overview that help you hopefully make this a regular practice in your life, that help get you started on the path to reading your Bible more regularly and figuring out what it actually says. So here's where we're going to go in the next like, half hour or so. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and how I ended up here and how I'm talking with you and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to do some introduction. Uh, we're going to spend some time talking about what the Bible is and why it matters. Our third piece is I'm going to give you five key concepts for how to read your Bible more effectively. Okay? Not just to read it and, say, and get done with like a chapter and be like, well, I read it, but I don't know what it meant. How can you better understand what the Bible says? Five key ideas that will help you do that. The fourth thing we're going to do is we're going to give you a 10-book plan. Where should you begin in reading the Bible? Here are 10 places uh, that you can start and move through. And then the last thing is we're going to wrap up and say, where do we go from here? Right. That was like 30 minutes at the National Youth Gathering, and that all sounded good, but in a few days, i got to go home and do this thing uh, for myself, yeah? yeah? So where do I go with that once I leave this room? Does that all make sense? Yeah. Sounds good? I love it. So uh, a little bit about me. That's me on the right, not the left. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Um, So I've been a DCE, a director of Christian education, since 2006. Uh, So I'm getting pretty old, I feel like. Um, Usually that got a laugh, but uh, not from this group. (laughs) I think I'm funny. My wife tells me, you think you're funnier than you are. Uh, I like to make jokes. They usually turn out really poorly. So if you just laugh, if you think I'm trying to make a joke, we're gonna get along really well and this is gonna go a lot smoother. Deal? (laughs) That one wasn't a joke. I don't know who was laughing (laughs) me. But you thought I was, so that's fair. I just told you to do that. Uh, I've been in the DCE program director at Concordia St. Paul since 2015. So I get to work with college students and teach them how to be directors of Christian education. That's my job. That's what I get to do. Uh, so I've been doing that for almost four years now. I've been married for almost 11 years. And uh, actually, in a fun fact, the person in the Comet, the Golden Bear suit there, our Golden Bear's name is Comet. That's my wife, Jess. Um, LAUGHTER I just thought that was more fun than a real picture, but uh, if you want to see real pictures later, we can. Um, and this is my sixth National Youth Gathering. Sixth National Youth Gathering. I started going to National Youth Gatherings as a, as a student, as a young person, and, and I put this one up here because I think this is important. My first gathering was in 2001, a long, long time ago, right? And I had spent my whole life hearing that you need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to be in the Bible. You got to get into God's Word. And the thing was, like, I had internalized that. I took that to heart. I heard that message, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get into God's word. And so when I came to the National Youth Gathering, I came to a session a lot like this one. I came to a session where somebody said, I wanna help you read the Bible more effectively. I wanna help you understand what God's word says. And I was sitting in these same chairs, not these same chairs, I guess, because we were in New Orleans, But similar chairs, and I listened as somebody like me shared with people like you, here's what it looks like to more effectively be in God's word. And and you're not going to get it perfect, but here's a starting point. Here's a place you can start today to dig in a little bit more on what God has to say for you. Make sense? And so this is like really personal for me because for me it kind of comes full circle that now at this gathering I get to share, bless you, that message with you that was shared with me so long ago that helped change my life. But before we can dig into what God's word actually says, we have to understand what the Bible is. Yeah? So to start with that, here's a little bit of background information about God's word.
1: Interesting facts about the Bible. The Bible is comprised of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, The Bible was written by over 40 different authors and was written over a period of 1,600 years. Job is considered to be the oldest in the Bible, while the book of Revelation is the youngest, written in 95 AD. The longest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. The shortest is 2 John, with only 13 verses in the entire book. The Bible has been translated into roughly 2,018 different languages and is the world's best-selling book. Consequently, it is also the world's most shoplifted book. Dogs are mentioned 14 times in the Bible, and lions 55 times, but cats are not mentioned at all. The Bible contains scientific information that was years ahead of its time. The book of Job describes the earth as a suspended ball, despite everyone else on earth at the time believing the earth was flat. 50 Bibles are created every minute, and roughly six billion Bibles exist in circulation. Enough for every man, woman, and child to potentially have their very own copy.
0: So that was a super fast overview, just a little bit about the Bible. But here's the deal. The Bible is so much more than just a collection of stories and letters and other writing. God's word reminds us that this is no ordinary book. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 4. And if you can read that, uh, let's read that out loud together. It says this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And that's from Hebrews 4.12. So did you catch that first part? It's not really another book that we can describe this way. That the word of God is living and active. That's because the Bible is more than just a book. This is the living, active word of God. It's a means by which God has chosen to share his story with you and me. You can hear God in the words of these texts. Like, seriously, if you want to hear from God, and people always say, like, if I could get a message from the Lord, if I could hear from God, I wonder what he would say. And I see some of you actually making notes in your Bibles. Uh, You can hear what God has to say right there in those pages. Yeah? Yeah? I would be remiss, by the way, at a Lutheran youth gathering if I didn't quote Luther on this. He said this, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. God's word is so much more than a book. Now, the Bible contains the word of God, yes, but it's more than just that. So, as we seek to engage with this living, active word, this means of grace from God, the question is where do we begin? How do we start understanding this text when in a lot of ways it's really foreign to us today. There's a lot of things that are hard to understand in the Bible and I say that being somebody who teaches theology and ministry at the college level. There's a lot that's hard to understand in the Bible. Right? So I want to settle in on five quick things that you can do to better understand scriptures. These are five quick ideas to get you started uh, reading and understanding the scripture. And first we have to recognize that all Scripture has a purpose. All Scripture has a purpose, not just some of it. Sometimes we like to like take the stuff that we don't really understand well and kind of set it off to the side and be like, that's not for me. Or I don't understand what that is, so like, I, don't, I don't need to worry about that. Yeah, That's what happens sometimes. But we have to recognize that all Scripture has been given to us by God and it has a purpose. In 2 Timothy, we are reminded with this in verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I heard a ding over there. I'm going to take that as affirmation of what God says here. It was like, ding, you got it. That the man of God or the person of God may be a complete and equipped for every good work. So it doesn't matter whether you like the scripture, whether you understand the scripture. that uh, That doesn't mean that the scripture doesn't have a purpose. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter whether you like it. It doesn't matter whether you understand it. It still has a purpose, which is why God has given it to you. So we have to start by understanding that. All scripture has a purpose. So we want to eventually, at some point, engage with all of the scripture. Yeah? Thanks. There was like one person back there still doing the yeah, so I appreciate that. (laughs) Second thing is that context is key. So here's the deal. Like, scripture wasn't written in a vacuum, and it wasn't written like yesterday. Right? It was given at a specific time to a specific group of people. It was given in a specific culture and a specific context. And so... In all, in all honesty, like that's part of the reason that sometimes it's hard to understand, because we don't necessarily always understand or recognize that context when we read it. See what I mean? It's like when you watch a TV show today that's from like, a long time ago, like the late 90s. <laughs> Sorry, adult leaders. Um, and you're like, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Well, it made sense to people at the time. Like, there's a TV show, uh, clap if you've heard it. Maybe don't clap, that's going to take a while. Uh, Give me a thumbs up if you've heard it. Uh, Seinfeld? All right, so most everybody. Seinfeld just celebrated its 30th anniversary. I know, right? Like, crazy. And there are some things that are like kind of weird in Seinfeld that were like big deal things at the time that people understood and they made sense to people back when that show started 30 years ago that now, like if you don't understand the culture of the day, they don't make sense. You following with me here? Yeah. Scripture's the same way. They were These words were given to people in a specific time, in a specific place. Now, God's word is timeless. We're going to talk about that in a second. But God's word is, is timeless, but the original... Uh, giving of the word was in a specific time and place. Some of those letters in the New Testament were written to specific people, right? So if we're going to understand scripture, we have to understand the context in which God gave it and the people to whom he gave it. Make sense? Cool. Uh, This is another example of that really fast. This cartoon, uh, it's a little cheesy, but it's kind of funny. The dad says, or the pastor, whoever that is, says, what's the car doing there? And the kid says, that's God. Come to drive them from the garden and it's a picture of Adam and Eve with a car. The language of driving somebody was was foreign to this child so they, they did what they knew with the text because they didn't understand the context. Got it? And again, I'm moving quickly through that because this is an overview, an introduction and we can talk more about it later. Deal? Cool. My third key point that I want you to walk away from this with is simple. Scripture interprets Scripture. Okay, maybe I was wrong. That's not really simple. But um, this idea is that Scripture interprets Scripture. So when we read Scripture, there's a lot of things that are unclear. There's a lot of things that are hard to understand. But there are some things that are a little more clear. There are some things that are a little easier for us to get. Tracking with me? So when we experience one of these things where we're like, I don't know what that means. I don't understand how, how that works we can look through the rest of scripture and say, what else does God's word say about this topic? Yeah? And we find those places where maybe we understand it a little bit more, or maybe it's a little bit more clear, and we can say, okay, so now with this piece that's clear, what does that mean for this piece that's less clear? Get it? Right? You use the stuff that's more understandable to understand the stuff that's harder. So um, I'm not going to go too deep on this example, but like baptism might be an okay example. There's some stuff that's really pretty clear about baptism in the scriptures. There's stuff that's a little bit less clear about about baptism. So we can use the stuff that's more clear to help us understand the stuff that's less clear. Now that takes a little bit of work. That's not always easy, right? But thankfully, you don't have to do that alone. You've got other folks who can help you walk through that process and learn what that looks like your pastor would be a great resource to help you understand that and put it into practice, right? Oh, we've lost you, right? Yes. Your pastor would be a great person to help you with that. So our scripture interprets scripture. Scripture helps us understand it better. Four, we want to distinguish law and gospel. We distinguish law and gospel. Now, are we familiar with those terms? Yes. Some of you are, some of you are not. Uh, I'm gonna oversimplify it before I explain it a little bit more in a little bit more depth, um, but there's a thing that we would say it could be like an SOS. What does that mean, like when you're talking in like nautical terms? Save our what, what, what? Save our souls? I mean, save our ship was kind of an original thing with it, right? Like we need our ship saved. Uh, we can say, save our souls. Yeah, we can do that. Like, there's a lot of things you can apply with SOS. So there's a, an SOS for the law and an SOS for the gospel. And the SOS, we might say, sh- and this, again, this is an oversimplification, but it, it gets us a starting point. Shows us our sin. Right? The, the law really acts in three ways. as a curb, a mirror, and a guide. And so, like, it provides boundaries. It points the way, like, it points, it gives us direction but it also like holds up a mirror so we see the things that we've done wrong or the things that we haven't done. Make sense? Like, and, and on that SOS piece, right? Like when, when I hold up a mirror, I don't see your reflection. And you don't see mine when you look in a mirror. If you did, that would be really creepy and we should have a conversation. That's like Freaky Friday stuff going on. Thanks for like the three people who laughed and knew what that meant. <laughs> for the rest of you, your youth leaders can explain it later. But like we don't see each other's reflection in the mirror. We see our own, right? So when I'm confronted with the law of God, I don't see your transgressions. I see mine. Make sense? Yes. So it shows us our sin. But the SOS for the gospel is that it shows us our Savior. right? The gospel shows us our Savior. It points us back to Jesus. And the law says like, there's nothing you can do about these things. Our sin is too much for you to overcome on your own. You cannot save yourself. But... There is one who can save you, and there is one who can overcome your sin, and he is perfect, and he is mighty, and he is yours. He is your savior. It shows us our savior. It points us to Jesus Christ. Where where the law condemns our works, our thoughts, uh, our, our words, our deeds, it punishes our sin, the gospel brings us the good news of our salvation in Jesus. And we encounter both in Scripture. The reason this one's on the screen, I want to make a really clear point about this. A lot of times in the church, people think that the Old Testament is all about the law and the New Testament is all about the gospel. And that, I'm going to tell you, is is not true. There is gospel in the Old Testament. There is law in the New Testament because both are necessary. See, If you don't have the law, you can't point toward the Savior because you haven't done anything wrong at that point. Yeah? Like, if I don't have the law to show me my sin, dude, I'm doing well. I don't need a Savior. I'm good. Right? And if I don't have the gospel paired with the law, I think I'm just condemned and there's nothing that can be done about it. Right? If I don't have... Something pointing me toward Jesus. I'm trapped in that sin. I'm trapped in my my own transgressions. I'm trapped in all that bad stuff I've done and those things I haven't done. I'm trapped in the fact that I'm sinful by nature and unclean. And I need the gospel paired with that to point me back to Jesus and say, you're right, and thank God for Jesus. Make sense? These things weave their way through the totality of Scripture, And again, we can't go into all the examples of what that looks like today, but there are folks around you who can help you with that. I can talk with you afterwards if you want more examples of that and what that looks like. Deal? And again, the last thing is that in the end, all scriptures point us to Christ. The entirety of scripture, uh, it ends up being the story of Jesus and God's work in his world and God... Us, us bringing sin into the world, but then God redeeming it through Christ. The things of the Old Testament point us ahead to the coming of our Savior. The things in the New Testament look back and say, now that Christ has come into the world and, and saved you, here's what it looks like. Here's, what, here's how we move forward. It's really easy when we read Scripture sometimes to put ourselves too far into the story. right, And make the stories of Scripture about us when really they're they're about Jesus. And that influences you. That should change you, right? Because Christ has come into your life, you are different. Your story is different. Your life is different. But this is pointing us to one who is greater than any of us. Yes? All of it points us back to Jesus. That's the goal of Scripture. It's the story of our sin, our are messing up the perfection that God gave us, but the story of God loving you and me so much that he would send his only son to redeem it. Again, there was a ding, right, as we said that, and that's a good truth. That's what I'm taking that as an affirmation of. So it points us back to Christ. It gives us this hope, not just for this world, but for all of eternity. Now, all that sounds really good, right? All that sounds fair, and that sounds fine, Uh, it's a little harder to put it into practice, especially when you don't know where to start in Scripture. Again, maybe this is just me, but there have been moments where I'm like, I want to understand the Bible. I want to read the Bible, and I just, like, jump in. And maybe I, like, jump in at Genesis 1, and I'm like, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And I go through Genesis, I'm like, there's some cool stories in Genesis, yeah? Right, like, anybody read Genesis? Cool, that's good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Like, there's some cool stuff that happens in Genesis. But, man, Exodus, it gets really exciting. We've got plagues. We've got rivers of blood. We've got all sorts of things happening. And then, like, you start to get into some of the books that follow there, and it's like this is like a list of names upon names upon names upon names upon names upon names upon names. What do I do with that? And then we kind of lose interest, and I'm like, I, I can't do this. Can't keep going. Anybody else ever have that experience? Thank you. Otherwise, if it was just me, that's confession from me to you. But since we're in the same boat, this is good. So what I want to do with a little bit of time that we have left is I want to give you a 10-book plan for where you can start. And if you walk away from this session and you're like, I want to start today to dig into God's word, if you start in this place, I think it's going to be a pretty good deal. Uh, I think it's gonna, you're going to experience more success than if you start at Genesis and, and you try and work your way through. And actually, this was given to me by a pastor friend in California named Robert Weller. Um, he's a good pastor, and he uses this with a beginner's Bible study. So people who are really new to the faith or don't have a lot of experience with Scripture, he uses this with them kind of as a starting point with where to go and how to start. And this is, this is, I want to pass this on to you. This is important stuff because, again, it's going to give you a foothold in Scripture where you can do stuff and you can read in there and you can start to interpret. And it's going to be a good spot for you. So the first place he says that he likes for people to start is with the Gospel of Luke. So we're going to jump to the New Testament. It's the easiest of the Gospels to read. It's a good place to start because it also gives the most complete story of Jesus. All of the Gospels tell a little bit of the story of Jesus, yes? Yeah, out. Okay, we know that. That's good. So all of the Gospels tell us a little bit about Jesus, but the, the Gospel of Luke has the most complete story about Jesus. It's also one that more often than not, even people who aren't really familiar with the Bible have heard, because we quote it a lot at, like, Christmas time. There's a lot of Luke that gets quoted around Christmas time and in Advent. So this is a good place for you to start. Even if you're not familiar with what a lot of scripture says, you'll probably be familiar with a lot of the stuff that you read in Luke. Make sense? From there, we move to the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts. It's the story of the early church, and it really sets up what happens throughout the rest of the New Testament. It kind of points us forward to say, when these missionary journeys happen and we're starting new churches, here's the foundation, here's the starting point for all of it. It builds off of the Gospel of Luke, and so it's a really easy transition. A lot of exciting stuff happens in this uh, this book as well. From there, we jump to the Book of Romans, which is a key primer on the Christian faith. A lot of our doctrine comes out of the Book of Romans. We see a lot of the things that that we teach and confess uh, really articulated beautifully in this book. So if you want to learn more about the Christian faith as a whole, this is where we move to. It teaches us a lot about it. From there, we jump all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, all the way back to the Old Testament, the very first book, the book of Genesis. Because Romans, especially chapters 4 and 5, kind of point us that direction. They point and they reference back to Genesis. So it's a logical jump for us to go there next. Is this making sense? Do you see this progression? We jump back to Genesis because Romans points us there. And so now that you've got the foundation from the book of Romans, Genesis becomes a lot easier to understand. From there, we move right into the book of Exodus where we see God's preeminent act of Old Testament salvation and we learn of the Passover. The Passover is going to be a key event as you continue to read through the scripture. And so we jump there next because you've got a little bit more of an understanding about the culture through the book of Genesis. Everybody have this slide that wants it? And I'll tell you how you can get a copy of these slides at the end of this session if you want that too. But I'm going to move on because I want to make sure we're good on time here. How, do I have five? Yeah. It, just keep going. I just want to be, I just want to be sure. Uh, Book of Hebrews connects Old Testament sacrifice to the ultimate sacrifice in Christ. So we're back in the New Testament. We're jumping ahead again. Now that you have read Genesis and Exodus and you know about the Old Testament sacrifices, you'll understand the comparison to Christ in Hebrews. The Gospel of John, Genesis, Exodus, and Hebrews have prepared you for that. There's stuff that really uh, you need to read Genesis, Exodus, and Hebrews to really grasp what John is talking, or what's being talked about in this book in John. Isaiah, this is the first book of prophecy that we're adding to the list. It covers concepts of judgment, sin, mercy, God's love for us in Christ, and more. It's pointing us again toward Christ. So that's why we can say, even though it's Old Testament, it's about God's love for us in Christ. Make sense? Yeah. We get a lot of stuff there. It's, uh, Pastor Weller actually calls it like a mini-Bible which I thought was kind of cool because there's so much good stuff covered in this book. The book of Hosea shows the lengths to which God will go to rescue his people. If you haven't read Hosea, oh man, wait till you get there. It's a fantastic story. And it really does show the lengths that God will, will go to rescue and redeem his people. And then this is kind of a two for one. First and second Corinthians. So it's really actually an 11 book plan. We gave you a bonus there. This talks about the, the struggles and joys of the early church. What happened in the early church, and where did they see success, and where did they see struggle and hardship? It's really cool for us when we experience hardship and struggle to see that like people in the Bible, they experience that too, It's not just you and me. So this is a plan that will help give you a good starting point. Even if you've never dug into Scripture, you can start with these 11, really, books and move forward well. We're a little short on time, so I'm just going to keep buzzing through. Three places you can go after this. I want to see you participating. I want to see you engaging in worship where you're going to hear the word read. You're going to hear it proclaimed and taught by your pastor. Uh, You're going to participate in the sacrament where you experience tangibly those gifts of God that are promised in Scripture. Attend Bible studies. Participate in youth ministry. I want you to pray as you read the Scriptures. Pray for discernment and clarity. Pray for focus. Man, if you're like me, I need to pray for focus when I am reading the scripture so I don't jump back to Stranger Things. <laughs> Y'all think that's funny, but this was a real struggle. Thanksgiving, we pray for Thanksgiving. Scripture is a gift from God, and we give thanks for that gift. And then prayer for application. How do, what does this mean for me now? Here's what it meant for the people then. What does it mean for me today? And then lastly, ask questions. You... Uh, I want to see you drive your parents, your pastors, your DCEs and youth workers, your uh, other church workers, your congregation members, I want to see you drive them nuts with questions about the Bible. That's what I really want to see. Unless your dad's your pastor, then maybe pick somebody else. <laughs> like, just side note. I mean, he'll be, he'll be happy, but, like, might create, like, some weird dynamic. He's like, can you ask somebody else? Uh, ask those questions, though. Don't stop asking questions. Deal? If you don't understand something, don't try and go through it by yourself. That leads to problems. If you don't understand something, ask someone. Yeah? So we've covered a lot of ground. This is where we've been, but I wanna leave you with this. This is the last thing I'm gonna say. Your time is uh, limited, I know that. Your time is valuable. Like literally, I tell my students at Concordia all the time, your time is the most valuable commodity on this side. Uh, of eternity that you have, because it's the one thing you can't get back, right? If you lose something, you can like maybe buy another one or make another one or something like that. Um, you can't get your time back, so how you spend it matters. Does that make sense? So I'm really humbled and grateful that you spent time here today. I was sharing with some folks before the session started that. I love seeing this room packed because of two things. One, it means you're spending time on something that you think matters in the life of faith that you have. You want to learn how to use this gift from God that he's given us in scripture, yeah? But it also means that you were bold enough to say, I don't have it all together. I don't understand how this thing works and connects, and I want to know more about that. You were willing to raise your hand and say, I need help with that. I need to ask some questions, and I need to get some advice on what I can do to get started reading scripture. Today is a starting point. It's not the finish line. I didn't give you enough stuff to to carry you through the rest of your life, but it's a starting point on this journey of you engaging with God's word. Yes?